Hello, everyone. Welcome to Real College Talk. My name is Morgan Heath Powers, and I'm here with one of my biggest mentors, Curtis Haley. Curtis, how are you today? I am fantastic. I'm hot, <laughs> but otherwise very good. He already commented on my sweater, so I already Because it is the middle of August, and you are wearing a sweater. Yes. Well, some of us struggle to stay warm, so... Anyways, welcome to Real College Talk. This is your destination for real stories and real advice to get through all things college related and young adult life related. And I'm so excited to have Curtis on to share his perspective on college, what it was like for him, but also as someone who, who works as a mentor and as a leader to young people all across the country all the time. I think he's going to bring some really great insight um, and I'm super excited to dive into that. So thank you so much, Curtis. Um, before we go ahead and get started, um, we wanted to go ahead and dedicate this episode of Real College Talk to the victims of the El Paso and Dayton shootings recently this past month here in August. Um, oftentimes when things like that happen, um, it kind of shakes the country, it shakes the world. Um, and then we go on and we kind of forget and um, even those of us who care and, you know, maybe step in and, and share our voice and our thoughts on it or, or, or reach out and make donations, like that's great. Um, but we just don't want to forget. Uh, our goal is to always keep it real. Um, and that means what's going on in the real world as well. Um, so we want to be sure that you are empowered to, to serve those communities as well in this time of need, um, in this time of change. And so, you know, go ahead and take your own path to do that. But here at Real College Talk, we would like to feature each and every donation that you make either to the El Paso Foundation or the Dayton Foundation. They have their own respective um, you know, donation funds for, for those cities. And so for each donation you make that, that you capture and you reshare on Instagram, you share and you tag Real College Talk, um, Real College Talk will be matching your donation. Um, so that will be through the month of September. Uh, we are super excited to do that. Um, and our goal is to just kind of come together as a community and, and keep it real and do what we can. Um, and we encourage you to continue that. Um, so I just want to take a moment to, to announce that. And so thank you so much, Curtis, for being on this special episode. Um, yeah. yeah, awesome. Okay, well, to open up, Curtis, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you are up to, um, and kind of how we met? Well. Yeah, you bet. So I'm six foot one. I like long walks on the beach. Um, I'm a dog person. I'm a Capricorn. Um, I those are. I assume that's what the audience wants to know. Yes, um, yes I'm the yeah. director of youth development for Tri Leadership Resources, which is a leadership development company. I've worked there for about eight years uh, in a full time capacity. It's the job I got out of college. Um, and I know we'll talk about college and the transition to getting jobs, I'm sure, but um, I actually I have never done a formal job application for a job because I just used my network and connections mm -hmm. that I had before to, to get one. Um, I, through that, uh, I lead a bunch of trainings and speeches and things for high school students all around the country. Um, and then I also am the state director for Nevada DECA. Um, and I, I don't know because I haven't heard the other episodes. I know faux pas. But I, if, if you and Nikhil have talked about DECA, but both of you were DECA state officers, and that's how I met you. Um, yeah. And so, and just recently I got elected to be the uh, president of the board of directors for DECA Inc. So I'm actually right now prepping to go to uh, our first board meeting that I will manage, which is incredible that 13 years ago I was in DECA and now I'm the president of the board, which is 
a pretty fun, pretty fun journey. Wow. That is so cool. And that's the one in that is it being hosted in Nashville? Correct. Yep. My, uh, of all the places where we have our international conference, my least favorite, but don't, that's just cause I'm not a country music person. <laughs> and it was my favorite. <laughs> and that's fine. You like country music. I don't like country music. I do. There's other type of music in Nashville. Okay. Anyways. Okay. You mentioned DECA. You did DECA in high school, right? Correct. Yep. I did all four years and I was the international president the year after high school as well. Yes. And for people who are like, what's DECA? Because Nikhil and I talked about this. Um, DECA is an international organization for high schoolers as well as college students um, who are interested in all things business. So management, entrepreneurship, hospitality, tourism, finance, um, and marketing. Marketing is marketing. the big one. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, but yeah, so Curtis did, did DECA in high school as well. And, and Curtis, did you start as a freshman? Did you kind of know right off the bat that it was something you loved or did you kind of stumble? I, I don't know if anybody in high school knows what they love. I mean, beyond like a very surface level, at least freshman year. I joined my freshman year because in eighth grade, um, the lady who ran the talent show, who I was, I hosted, said you should be in DECA. And there were some cute girls who came over and talked about it. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but sure, I'll do it. And then I, I kind of showed up and I was inspired a lot by the passion that my teacher at the time had. I really, it was a good community. Uh, I don't know about everybody else, but when I got into high school, I definitely didn't feel like it had a really close knit community. And so DECA was my place where I got to go and hang out in the school store or come to meetings or whatever and just kind of had a place to be and a place to go and that yeah. felt really good and then also it was a bunch of fun and taught me a bunch of things and um yeah, yeah it was definitely the most transformative thing that I did in my life it is it I can't I can point to few moments in my life that have had more impact than the the moment I joined DECA it was a pretty incredible opportunity for me to see the world outside of my four walls of the high mm -hmm. school in Eugene Oregon that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Like I, I, I felt the same way and so many other students who've been a part of similar organizations. Um, like you said, being able to kind of get out of your comfort zone and get out of high school as part of your high school experience um, can be really, really cool. Um, what, what, what were you kind of planning on in high school? Was DECA like your thing? you know, in, in light of college? I know you went to the University of Oregon. Like, were you always planning on that? Like, I'm, I'm coming from my perspective and in, and in high school for me, I felt so much pressure to do all the things. So as much as I wanted to spend all my time doing DECA, I felt like I was pulled in so many different directions. Like what was kind of your experience going through high school? Yeah, and I, I, this is a fun thing to talk about because I, I imagine that most people, and I don't know, but I feel like most people in our world and most people that you're probably going to talk to probably had very somewhat similar upbringings to the ones that you and Nikhil had where you had the, the expectation was you went to college. Right. Um, that, that was never a question. For me, that was not the case. I, I grew up uh, going to a poor school on the west side of Eugene, Oregon. Um, and uh, we, the, the expectation was definitely, I mean, like, my parents wanted me go to go to college, but there was no, they, they, to put in context, my mom dropped out of high school and my dad dropped out of college. So neither of them graduated. When I went to college, one of the things I learned, and I share people share this with people all the time, it's that the most 
Uh, the number one factor that is most predictive of whether or not you will graduate from college is whether your parents graduated from college. It's not income. It's not any of those things. It's just whether your parents did. Mm -hmm. And so neither of my parents did. I had no guidance. I mean, I was figuring it all out on my own. I had no idea how to do the SAT. I had no, like, I paid for all of my own exams. I, so I had no guidance. So I didn't feel the pressure to do everything. For me, it was actually a much freer experience of just like, yeah. I like doing things and did them. Um, but I didn't really have that pressure of like, what school am I going to get into or what? And in some ways, compared to the stress and pressure that a lot of high school kids and, and early college students are going through now, like I'm grateful for that because the yeah. pressure that, that young people are under is incredible. Um, but I, so for me, I was going through DECA and the main thing that DECA did for me in my college and career choice was more for career. I just realized that I really enjoyed being in that space. I really enjoyed going to the events. I enjoyed the competitions. I enjoyed that it was always a little, something a little bit different every day. And so I wanted to do something in that space. College was really, um, for me, it, going to college was the success um, my parents were not helping at all with any of, and when I, I mean, like I was living on my own, working at a mini golf place to pay the bills. Um, and, uh, so for me, it was just getting to college was the challenge. So I actually only applied to one school and it was the university of Oregon and I got in and then they gave me a scholarship. Yeah. And, you know, when I look back at my time and in, in, at that age, I wonder, you know, what could have been if I would have applied to more schools or tried to get into, you know, something that was more prestigious. But I, 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 for me, I got to grow up. I got to go to college in the same city I grew up in. I got to, I had this great network of friends that was still there. I loved so much of my time at the University of Oregon. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, it, it's hard to say what your life would have been like had you gone somewhere else or done something else. But I don't, I, never in my life have I ever felt like, oh, if I would have gone to another college, my life would be better in X way. Um, so I, and, and the best part of course is I, the, of going to the University of Oregon is like I said, I got the presidential scholarship, which means that I graduated with zero debt, with zero parental help. Um, and that I very much, I do like that. I do like, like I know a lot of people who graduated with a hundred thousand dollars in debt and I didn't do that. So, um, I, that was, does that answer your question? I know that was a r long rambling answer. No, it totally does. It totally does. It's good to, it's good to hear your story and your experience going through it. Um, it was interesting because we, I interviewed Karen Burkhart a few weeks ago and, and her and I were talking about, you know, how many, which schools are worth the student debt or does it matter where you go to school? And, and oftentimes the more and more people I talk to, it's all about what you make of it. And I think that goes for any situation in life. Like there's no one place, no one thing that is going to, you know, transform your life for the better. Um, it's truly what what you make of it and and how you choose to show up and act um and and it sounds like you were able to make the absolute most of your decision to go to university of oregon um which is so cool i love that i love that um so what did you major in at, at university of oregon and how did it kind of lead you back to deca were you still involved with Deca with Team Try was Team Try even a thing then? Yeah, Team Try was a thing. They once I got done working with the mini golf place, they were paying me to go speak at events and things, and that oh was that was nice additional income for me in college. <laughs> um, but it was so I was I majored in political science originally. I have always loved politics, have always loved the nature of public service and government, and 
Um, I, I even when I was younger realized that if you want to make change, the most direct place to make change is the place where the laws are made and the budgets mm -hmm. are passed. And so I've always been interested in politics. Um, in 2008, I went and worked for, I took a semester off to go work for the Obama campaign. I was a field director for President Obama's first campaign. And so I was in charge of three counties in Southwest Oregon. Oh, cool. um, and it was the most exhausting, emotionally draining, in many ways, worst job I have ever had. I learned a lot from it, but it was the yeah. worst. And when I was, so I, I, and that kind of filled in my political science goals. And actually that job is probably the single biggest reason I didn't get into politics or government after, after college is because I learned that, and, and if you are a young person who's willing to go work for a campaign, first of all, bless you. Second of all, just know that you, when I got, when I got hired for the Obama campaign, they were paying me $35,000 a year, which for me was like, I just Scrooge McDuck giant vault of money, sort of I, I, like I had never, I was working $10 an hour at a mini golf place before that. And then suddenly was working in, you know, for 35. So getting these checks for thousands of dollars a month. And I was like, I'm rich. Well, I was working 100 hours a week, and I was working for four consecutive months with a half day off, seven days a week, and it was it wrecked my life and my mental health and all of those things. I'm grateful I did it, because what I've learned is that campaigns, at least the one that I worked on, at least back yeah. in the day, they will grind you up and spit you out and use as much as you are willing to give. Um, so if you're going to work for a campaign, set your boundaries. If you're not going to set your boundaries, just be aware that that's at least my experience. But when I was in the Obama campaign, that was um, in October of that year was the year that the market crashed, that Bear Stearns uh, went under, that like basically the economy tanked. And I remember sitting, I was working at the mall, that's where my office was, and I was sitting in the mall watching the TVs talk about the market crash. And I was like, I have no idea why that's happening. I don't know. I, I know that's bad, but I don't know why this is happening. And that's very disconcerting. So when I came back to school, I became an economics major, double major, um, and really loved that. It taught me how to think analytically uh, and dispassionately. Um, obviously, you, you need to account for people's feelings, but being able to be a logical thinker is something I use all the time in my day-to-day -day yeah. life. Um, my political science background taught me a lot about social justice and about um, inclusivity and privilege. As a white heterosexual dude, being told I had privilege was a big, big eye-opener for me. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I understand. And that's one of the best parts about college is you meet people from all sorts of backgrounds and experiences that you don't have. Yes. And you learn, oh, I do have privilege relative to a lot of other people. Um, but I used those experiences and then I graduated and was just like, I want to go work back in the tri world, back in the CTSO DECA world. And so I, um, I graduated in June and in July or August, I became a full-time employee at tri and um, I was coaching, I was managing Nevada DECA. I was going and speaking and training, doing all the things that I love. And um, you know, it, it's interesting because if you tell somebody you're a political science and econ major, if somebody were to just know those two things about you and guess what career you were going to be in, they would probably say lawyer. And in fact, economics I learned is the second highest grossing 
major or the second highest earning major that you can have in college. At least this was true a couple years ago. Engineering is number one, mm -hmm. and then it's economics. It's not because there's all these econ majors making tons of money. It's because they go become lawyers. Yeah. Um, and I just realized that I didn't know anybody who was happy as a lawyer. Um, it, it's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of debt going to law school. And I just wasn't interested in that life. Um, and so I went back to the thing that I loved, which is, uh, which was this. Um, and it's been, yeah, I've been doing it now for eight years and every year it changes and gets, get, I get a little bit better at it, which is a, a nice feeling, but, um, yeah, that, that's kind of how that led me there. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. It totally does. Um, I think for, for many people in college right now, there's, there's so much pressure to know exactly what you want to do, exactly what you want to major in. Yeah, forget all that. Like, forget all that. Yeah, like this yellow brick road to your Yeah, that's career. all that's all nonsense. If you know I'm 31 and I've had a job for eight years, nine years that I love, and I still don't know what I want to do for my whole life. I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do other things. Like the the call it the illusion of confidence, like, or the illusion of, of sureness. You, you will never, how, or, oh, this one's better. I got there. The illusion of certainty. Um, you are never going to, you may think that you're certain and that's just fooling yourself. Certainty is just another way of saying that you are pretending that no new information is going to come into your life and your whole world when you are in college and out of college and even out, out, out of college, like me in the working world, everything is new information right i as there's a stand-up comedian named disease ansari who was like who talked about people getting married when they're marrying their high school sweetheart and he, he was like that's kind of like if i you know took the Jimi hendrix poster i had in my room when i was 17 and just kept it in my house forever it's like you're not allowing yourself to to adapt for the changes that come into your life and and the information and the ways that you grow and so yeah comp the illusion, the illusion of, what did I call it? The illusion of certainty. The illusion of certainty. Yeah, there's no, there's no such thing as certainty. It's all a lie. Even if you think it is ironclad, it's all BS. Like just, it, it, it's, <laughs> and anybody who tells you, people want you to choose a direction, but don't confuse yeah. that with choosing the direction of your mm. life. A direction is important. It's important to move in a direction. If you're in a car, drive the car somewhere. But don't like, don't just think that you're going to have to drive that way forever. I do. A, I did a training a couple of years ago where I, I told people if imagine that your career and your college life is like doing a cross trip, cross country road trip from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon. It doesn't matter where, but the idea is that you're driving across the country. Mm -hmm. You right now, as you're just getting out of the parking lot, as you're just starting the drive, you don't need to worry about what specific turns you're taking once you get to your destination you don't need to worry like all you need to do is just keep heading west mm -hmm. and if you if you are heading west you're going the right direction it might be circuitous you might not be the, the most direct way but if you are going west you are going the right way so just keep going west and if you can do that you don't have to worry about what specific turn by turn directions you're going to do 2000 miles down the road and you might get to Portland, Oregon, and decide that you're more of an Arizona person and go there. Who knows? But but don't yeah, the illusion of confidence. It's it's all there's certainty, it's all BS. Yeah. That's that's actually a perfect metaphor. Um, I feel like, you know, what would you what would you say to students who feel like, you know, 
despite all that being true, there's still so much pressure to have a specific direction. You know, maybe when particular people in your life, whether it's your parents or your closest friends, um, like what kind of insight would you give to young people who are struggling to get beyond what other people think? Um, sure. You just have to kind of do your own thing and 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 tell people what they want to hear every once in a while, but <laughs> kind of trust your gut. I, yeah. like, I'm just speaking from my personal sure. research yeah. experience, but... The first thing to remember is those people love you and they are yeah. well-meaning and that does not excuse them from the pressure that they put on you, uh, mm -hmm. but it, it does come from love. Um, and I, it's funny because I was very lucky in most ways not to have any pressure to do that because I could basically do what I wanted and that was great. But in some ways it would have been nice to have a little bit of pressure, a little bit of guidance in what I was doing. My parents were not equipped to do that when I was going through college. Um, so, I mean, on that side of things, uh, just being aware of that, I, I would say number two is the earlier that you can establish financial independence from your parents in your life, the happier you will be. Money from your parents uh, is a wonderful thing. It, it's great. Uh, it, it, it helps a lot. It's the it, but just like any money that someone gives you, there's no free lunch. And mm -hmm. with, with your parents' money or your you know trust fund or whatever it is comes expectations of what you're doing with your life. Um, and the earlier that you can, even if it's just establishing some independence, yeah. I'm able to pay for my living expenses. I'm able to pay for my entertainment, like whatever it happens to be, the earlier you have that financial independence, the, the, the sooner the pressure that your parents put on you has less pressure because there's no dollar signs attached to it. Yeah. Um, so that that's one thing that I would say. The other thing I would say is, you know, the, the pressure is probably never going to, and if the pressure is not coming from your parents, it's coming from the people you're around. It's coming from your fraternity, your sorority. It's coming from, it, one of my favorite quotes is comparison is the theft of joy. And so you're, there's plenty of people to compare yourself to in, in the world of college. And I, I wish I could tell you to just don't do that, but I, that would be facetious because I never was able to just stop doing that. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is not, it is once again, understanding pick a path, not the path. Like it's, mm -hmm. you, you, I think that pressure oftentimes is felt like there's a, there's a right way that I'm supposed to be going. And I am currently not going there the most direct way. If you are going West, you're going the right way. Um, and, and other people may not understand that and may not get that. And they may worry a lot of our parents love comes from worry that you're going to live under a bridge, but you're, you're, you're probably, if you're in college and going to class, not going to live under a bridge. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of I, the earlier that you can divorce your own expectations from the expectations of other people, again, as much as possible, the, the earlier you are going to be self-satisfied and happy and be able to chart your own path. I, I wish I could give you more than that, but the end, people are going to give you pressure. And if you, the more you listen to it, the more that it's going to drive you nuts. Yeah. Um, hear it, know that it's there, but don't, don't feel, nobody else, nobody else knows the path for you. Mm -hmm. And, and that's an unfortunate reality because there's nobody you can ask. There's no wise sage on a mountain. Well, we're all um, just winging it. Like, yeah, learning I'm winging it. Learning doesn't stop in the classroom. Like, I, I think so often we get so focused on, you know, what we're studying and what we're learning in class and not focusing on, like, 
every single part of life is a learning experience. You're not supposed to know anything, like know yeah. everything. Life would be boring if we did. Um, and, and the bad things that you go through are only there to serve as a reference for the good things and to prepare right. you to be better for the good things. It's like right. young people, I reflect a lot on like young people that are in relationships. If you're mm -hmm. 17, 18, 19, you're in a relationship, spoiler alert, probably you're not gonna marry that person. Mm -hmm. So if you're not gonna marry the person that you're with, what is the point of being with that person? And the idea is, is because you are learning how to be with another person. Every relationship that I have ever been in in my whole life, I, I usually it ends in some sort of heartbreak. And you, but you also get a lot of really fun love times out of it. You find what you like, and then you find out how to be better, um, and and how to learn not to hurt people as much, or how to be more comfortable in yourself. I, I just got engaged this year, and every relationship that I have had up until this point prepared me to be the best version of myself that is here. And your life is the same thing. You're going, like I told you, you know, the Obama campaign was a miserable experience. Um, and I, but I got to go to the inauguration and I got to be on a conference call with Obama and I got to shake his hand and I get to tell people that I've done that. And it's, so cool. and I was in charge of three counties when I was 20 years old. Like all of those things are really cool and, and, and awesome experiences that I had to go through in order to be this, the best version of me. Um, so I, I think that look at, I mean, if you think of your, your iPhone, you know, like your, this, this iPhone is a wonder of, mo of modern technology, but then at the same time, it, there's different versions that are released every single week. Right? Every week they're updating it. Every week it's supposed to be the best version. So like, you're the same way. You are never going to be the finished version of you. So just keep using it to improve. That's really good advice. It is good advice. Everything is a learning experience, no matter how lost you can feel. Like you've just got to kind of stay the course, keep going west. Seriously, such good advice. Um, I want us to switch topics a little bit sure. because you talked about taking different paths, not necessarily the path, um, but you re recently took a different path. Um, can you talk a little bit about make politics positive and what that was like? Um, when you were starting it, um, and I know you recently kind of put an end to it. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a super inspiring idea and mm -hmm. I, and I just can't figure out how to make it work yet. And it's, it took me a long time to admit that. So make politics positive started after the 2016 election where like a lot of people, I was like, regardless of who wins, this system is messed up. And so yeah. it's trying to create a a way that people could gather together and engage in political thought that is different from the traditional mechanisms that people do. People don't like knocking in doors. People don't like making phone calls. People don't like doing those things. And the people on the other side don't like getting phone calls and don't like getting their doors knocked. So how can we make political engagement something that's more enjoyable and authentic mm -hmm. and kind of channeling the, the creativity and humanity that's within all of us? And so I um, started a 501c4, which is similar to a 501c3 nonprofit, but it's a, uh, in a, can't, a, can't remember, political cause organization, can't remember the exact mm. designation of it, but basically they're able to do work in the political space. Um, worked with a bunch of friends, created a podcast, created a website, created all of the things that went along. It originally started because my friend Stephen and I who's Stephen's a, a Republican and I'm a Democrat, wanted to get on and have the kind of respectful conversations that we had in general, but have them uh, for the benefit of others to show how you could talk with people who you disagree with and still be respectful. Right. Um, and so then it blossomed into trying to be this 501c3 thing and it was going to be membership driven and it was going to be 
you know, this, this, this whole big grand idea and my big challenge that I have is that I can always see the end goal, but I a lot of times have the challenge to figure out how to bring people to it. It's hard to bring people to things. It really is. You know how to bring people to things. You have a skill that is unmatched and please teach me because I'm still working on it because it is hard to get people to come out and to do things. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, we had one meeting and then we were trying to schedule another one. It was just hard to get any traction. And then I got busy with life. And then I was like, I, I need to, I need to face reality that this is not where my energy is right now. And, uh, and that's okay. Cause mm -hmm. I, the energy that I save for make politics positive is energy that I put into hanging out with my niece and my nephew who I love. It's who I, it, it's time that I can put into my new relationship, yeah. which I, I say new we're, coming we're engaged and it's our years coming up in two weeks so not new new but like you know new in in the course of our lives and um yeah. and can put energy toward other projects that are there and i it's hard because when you're younger you have so much more energy and when you're older it kind of narrows down a little bit and so for me it was a big moment to be like okay this is not this is not where my energy is right now but i i'm grateful for it i feel liberated having done that because I can still concentrate on the message in other ways, but it's, yes. but it was, I will say the hardest part of, of make politics positive was not starting it. It was deciding when to end it. Cause it mm -hmm. felt it, you had to acknowledge a loss or you had to acknowledge learning. You had to acknowledge that it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And that can be hard. Mm -hmm. My dog disagrees. She's shaking over there. Um, but that, that's, uh, that, that, that was the big lesson that I got from that. Yeah, yeah. Well, whether whether make politics positive resurfaces or not, I know just when you were telling me about it originally when you were starting it, um, I know it was a big inspiration for me. And it's what kind of got me thinking about like, okay, what else can I do in my life? Um, you don't always have to take that one direction, especially especially while while we're young, but also at any point in your life. Um, it's always an opportunity to try something new. Um, yeah. Follow the status quo, like, or stick to one job. Like, I, I love meeting people who have like a cool side hustle or they're starting a nonprofit. Um, so I hope that in some way this can inspire one of our listeners to, um, to, to go out and do their thing too. Um, Curtis, I want to, I want as we kind of, as we kind of wrap up to, to bring it full circle. Um, you interact with young adults and high schoolers all the time. Mm -hmm. um, what are the? I, I want to ask you a couple questions first. Um, like, is there anything that you think makes our, our generation different? Anything that makes you hopeful or, or something, a, a good quality that you see and maybe something, if you could pass on one message to, to, you know, young people like myself, what would that be as well? I, I'm so happy you asked this because I have the perfect answer for it. Now, when I say perfect, I'm not saying it's going to be the greatest answer of all time, but I have the yeah. perfect answer for what, what in my life I have a lot of energy around right now. Okay. Um, my fiance, Alyssa, and I have been talking lately about the, the curse of being woke. Mm -hmm. um, this is, mm -hmm. and I, woke is a very handy term that up until uh, probably was culturally appropriated, but it's very much, in one word, it's hard to say more than you can say with woke. If you say woke, it, it, it you know, you, you get, kind of all these ideas of awareness and yeah. you, this is the most woke generation of young people that have ever existed. You live in a world where you are aware of the consequences that your actions have on the earth, have on your career, have on your life, have on your partner, have on your body as you eat and your exercise. Like you have more information than any generation of people ever 
And as a result of that, you have more things to worry about. You have more things to be aware. When, when my dad went to, a, so, went to a, a restaurant and ordered a cheeseburger and had a drink with a plastic straw in it when he was a kid, he just ate that meal and was done. I go to a restaurant and I think of where the beef came from. I think of the corporation that I'm, I'm supporting. I think of the plastic straw that's going to kill the sea turtles. There, there is more, because we have so much more information now than ever before, we also have so much more awareness of the costs and consequences of our actions. And that can be draining and that can be exhausting. You live in a world where you're seeing all this damage that is happening and you think, ah, we need to stop doing that. But one of the things that you, we all have to recognize, too, is we have a very limited amount of power in, in our ability to do that. And that sounds kind of like the opposite of what people tell you. People want to tell you one person can change the world and all of that. But all that that does is make you think that you're the one person who has to change the world. And, and it's a big ship. The world is a big ship that is not going to turn because one person grabs the wheel and starts steering it. Mm -hmm. All that I think that we can do is be a, as aware as we can, be as conscious as we can, make the good choices in our lives and try to educate other people and, and do our best to make those impacts. But relieve yourself of the idea that it is your job to save the world or that if you don't save the world, nobody will. Mm -hmm. um, that has been the... That is the thought that dominated my head for the last couple of years. And that's exhausting because we all want to do something that changes the world, but we don't have, the world is even, even though we have all the information, it's also way more complex than it's ever been and more interconnected and way more calcified in many ways mm -hmm. and unpredictable. The world is unpredictable. Like we, that, that's the, the biggest thing that I think is to, to embrace is just that we're all leaves falling in the wind and there's no telling where the, where, where the wind's going to blow it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think that, you know, as I, as, as I talk to young people, I would just try to make peace with your, and reconcile the information that you have and the, the awareness that you have of the consequences of your action, with also the fact that you are a part of a system. And the system is was there before you were here. It is not because it's not the way you are because of the way you are. And to all you will likely be able to do for most of us is make a little bit of difference on the margins. And that difference means something. It but it's but but we are not we are not Superman. We're not Iron Man. We're not you know like there are the, the precious few people who you can name in history that have done incredible things of which we can probably name a hundred. There have been billions of others who are good people who tried their best but nonetheless just weren't in the right place at the right time to do it. Um, and I, for me, that's the biggest thing that I, I hope that young people can understand is that it, it is scary out there and it is, you know, there's a lot of pressure, but at the same time, we're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Like whatever okay looks like, it's going to be okay. I mean, they just, I'm going to get very metaphysical on you for a moment, but, but I, the, the sun is still going to rise the, the earth will, I mean, like, no matter how much damage we do to the earth, it will still probably foster life. Yeah. You know, like, I, hopefully we can make the changes that we need to, to make the world a better place, to make our lives better, and to, to have less racism and less violence and less all of those things. But no one of us is going to magically make that happen. And 
and we just, I think, kind of have to also have the awareness of the good things. We have to have awareness of the opportunities that we have and the amazing knowledge that we have to have conversations about the impact of plastic straws. So that's a very long-winded answer. I'm so you can tell I've been waiting for someone to ask me that. But that I'm so glad. I am so glad you shared that because, like, truly, that speaks to me personally, and I know it'll hit home with so many of our listeners. Is um, sometimes you know you may not be here to make that giant leap that changes the world, but um, those little pivots that we can contribute to, I think, are still very important. Um, and they're all you can do, even if they're not important, it's all you can do. Yes, yes, yes. And, yeah. and, and that has to be enough. Like we have to make peace with that being enough um, because otherwise your actions will never be enough. And yeah. that leads to so much anxiety. Crazy. Crazy. And um, yes, it is the curse of being woke. I hope that our listeners just take a little bit more positivity with them because there's so much to be grateful for. There's so much good in the world. Um, and I'm so grateful that you came on to share that. Um, yeah, you bet. Thank you so much, Curtis. Is Can there I plug my Instagram before you leave if people want to follow me? Yes, I was just about to ask you. Right. Yes. I'm on Instagram at Curtis Haley, C-U-R-T-I-S-H-A-L-E-Y. You can also go to the website, makepoliticspositive.org if you would like to do that, .com, .org. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Keep searching till you see the website. It is still up. We are still doing work with that. Okay. Um, you can also, if you are interested, you can shoot me an email at Curtis Haley PDX, which is Portland's airport code, Curtis Haley PDX at gmail.com. I will go ahead and put those in the show notes. Um, Curtis is definitely someone that you will want in your circle, whether you are following him along or reaching out to him personally. Um, thank you so much, Curtis. Uh, and one more reminder to everyone listening, um, if you want to go ahead and support the people uh, who were recently affected by the Dayton and El Paso um, tragedies, the shootings there, um, even if it's not in the form of a donation, just, just go ahead and reach out to Real College Talk. Let us know what you're up to. Um, we want to keep it real and, and, see, and see what kind of little pivot uh, you might be making as well. So uh, thank you so much, Curtis. Any, any final words of wisdom? That's it. That's all That's I got. I've, 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 I've imparted all that I have to part. I think you No have. more sweaters in August. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good. No more sweaters. Put on a t-shirt. Thank you for listening. And as always, keep it real. Bye. Bye.